Yeah, that's some ingenious. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody, I demand sacrifice. Everyone is getting in this rolling dumpster fire I have now put on Twitter. Everyone. Ten laps. We had ten laps to go. Ten laps. Everyone. Everyone. That's, that's including. Including nice, you, Dre, because at the start of the race, you're like, oh, it's over. Leclerc's got this. No, no, I'm including myself in this. I said on Twitter, okay. including me. Oh, Everybody okay. in the bin. Everyone. Okay. Excuse me. Wait, is this the one you posted about five minutes ago, Dre? It's the one I posted about right Four now. Points. Everyone in yeah. the bin. Everyone. Four Excuse me. I tried to stop you. I tried. Why do we ever have faith in this team? Why? Why? Go on, guys. Guys. Because we're all idiots. Because we are. Because we are dumb. MGUK failed. MGUK failed. It's MGUK failed. Oh, Leclerc's MGUK failed. Oh my god. Rip. I fucking hate everything, man. I think the entire country of Monaco Charles, is you're from Monaco. Guns. You know how to do right now. Nurse it, you'll get on the podium. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, podium, yeah. Unbelievable. the fire. The Curse Podcast that precedes unfortunate events. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. You know, uh, to quote, um, it, uh, it was it was a famous uh, literary character, Chicken Little, who once said, "The sky is falling." It it, it fell. <sighs> We're, uh, I don't know. Welcome to episode one eighty five of Motorsport one hundred one. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Andre Harrison is uh your friendly neighborhood, Andre Harrison is. Not here right now, obviously, with work, combination work and grieving. What the hell we just saw in Bahrain? I'm just going to go out and say it. That was a wild race, but not for reasons that are going to make most of us feel good. Nope. Uh, man, I mean, it. all, all in all, let me lead, it, lead out with this up front. It was an entertaining race. It was an emotional experience. I would say, may, not maybe not immediately, maybe a year, maybe two years from now, it's definitely a race that you should go back and watch. Right. That said, though, when you get invested in the story of maybe the first or second, or at least the 1A or 1B most exciting prospect to come along in the sport in a while, who has a sympathetic backstory to tell, and was just about to win the race in his second Grand Prix weekend for Scuderia Ferrari with plenty of time in hand. And then, all of a sudden, it just goes to hell. It's the ballad of Charles Leclerc. 
It's the big story of the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend. We'll talk about that. We will talk about the other things that happened as Mercedes pick up the damage that was done by Ferrari. And a 1-2 finish at the Bahrain Grand Prix with Lewis Hamilton ahead of Valtteri Bottas. We'll talk about how Ferrari's weekend completely came apart. Uh, and then some of the other major storylines of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Not just in Formula 1, but Formula 2 as well. And of course, we'll catch up on everything else that is not bicycles. With Dre absent, we didn't want to spoil the fun of the Argentine um, MotoGP weekend which uh, I would highly recommend you watch it if you have not done so already, and we'll catch up with that on episode 186. All right, how rude of us not to introduce ourselves. That's Ryan King, I'm RJ O'Connell, and welcome to episode... God, I don't want to be here for this. Oh, man. I mean, at least we didn't just cold open the show with no music. Yeah, something to get the spirits out. Yeah, we're we're not wearing all black for this occasion. Although that said, I could I could do so regarding my my favorite baseball team, my favorite hockey team, and my favorite soccer team all losing on the same night. Oh goodness. Uh it's been told, but don't worry about the Phillies. They can't close games. Well, they don't have to worry about high leverage bullpen situations if the offense puts the game out of reach before the sixth <laughs> inning. I'm R.J. O'Connell, that's Ryan King. We're Motorsport 101 for today, episode 185. You can find all of our content at motorsport101.com. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow us personally, we're at Harris101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. And of course, if you back us financially on Patreon, you get early access to our show. You can join our chat and take in the races, sometimes live as they happen, in the company of your friends, who are all just as equally devastated as what transpired in the last trend laps of this race. As Cam points out, you can suffer with us all. <laughs> We're doing a really great job of selling this as an upbeat counterculture motorsports podcast. Oh man, I, I, we're we got most of that down. The upbeat part. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, should we? Because I know by the time we're recording, it may be out here. King, you've got some uh, you've got some stuff going on this weekend that's not this podcast. Ooh, ooh, I don't know if if the video will be out by the time the podcast comes out because it's not going to be live. But let's just say that I have a very interesting upcoming collaboration in the works with a certain Formula One YouTuber that does not make gaming videos, so that should narrow it down a whole ton. Let's see, was he the one who recommended the mustache? Yes, he is the same person who recommended the mustache, RJ. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, the, the chain will keep us together. <laughs> the chain will keep us together. And uh, I guess while I'm while we're getting plugs out of the way, let me just say that um, this weekend um, you may hear a certain familiar voice on another podcast that talks about everything that has engines and wheels. And if they keep score, then you'll probably hear me on it this weekend. Oh, I thought it happened at a certain time of the week, RJ. Yeah, more like the middle of the week. Oh, okay. Um, so. 
Let's rip the Band-Aid off. I want to take a quick musical interlude. I want to drink some more cider. Um, I want to grip another fifth of vodka. Um, And we'll be back to talk about the Formula One Gulf Air Bahrain Grand Prix. Second round of the Formula One World Championship of 2019, the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, we, of course, know that Bahrain is not necessarily the best place to be racing. It's a good track. The racing's been good, but as a country, you know, certainly not one of the best places to be at. Not of all the people, just the people that are in charge who are trampling upon the, the human rights of most of its populace. And just happen to own a majority stake in a Formula One team. We can compartmentalize that because we are professionals and just enjoy the race that it happened. And qualifying, well, it gave us a bit of a surprise. It turns out the rumors of Scuderia Ferrari's demise in the engine department, at least for 24 hours, were greatly exaggerated. As uh, Scuderia Ferrari locked out the front row with Charles Leclerc becoming the second youngest pole sitter in Formula One history, second only to his teammate Sebastian Vettel, who qualified in second as the Mercedes locked out row two. And uh, after the weekend that uh, Ferrari had in Melbourne, maybe maybe they were right. Maybe, maybe all the preseason hype was right. And maybe Ferrari's a, Ferrari going to get this together, y'all. Wasn't that the feeling coming out of this qualifying session, King? Yeah, that was the feeling. That was the big narrative that was pushed out of the qualifying session, that Australia was unrepresentative, that it was this hybrid temporary slash street circuit that we only see the likes of in Australia, because the only other track on the calendar that compares to it is Canada, which is vastly different than Australia. They're like, this is the first real test for for this year's iteration of Formula 1 cars. So it looked like, hey... Ferrari's advantage, it was real. Leclerc setting a new qualifying record of a 127.866 um, to take pole position by about three-tenths ahead of Vettel. Hamilton in third on the grid. Botas in fourth. Max Verstappen in fifth. And Kevin Magnussen, best of the rest on the grid in sixth. Giving us only a couple of shockers in, oh boy, <laughs> Renault, you did not qualify so well. 11th for Daniel Ricciardo. 17th for Nico Hulkenberg? Bruh. Bruh. Uh, so we get to the race itself. Charles Leclerc starting from his first career pole position. Were the nerves going to get to him? Well, right off the line, it kind of looked like it did because Sebastian Vettel got a much better start going into turn number one. Yeah, uh, got a much better start in the turn one. Uh, it was clear that it was a much better start, though uh, a lot of people were taken aback by it, including the Sky slash Worldfeed commentators, uh, with uh, Crofty and Brundle implying that Vettel may have jumped the start, which he did not. Oh, goodness. And they, and they look back to, uh, to just check and make sure that he didn't jump the start. It was a clean start from Vettel. He had the inside line. Uh, Valtteri Botas, your Australian winner and current championship leader, got the jump on Charles Leclerc uh, after the first lap, but Leclerc was able to get past him on lap two. And that would set the tone for what would be most of this race. The Ferraris driving away from the pack on pace. They should have won this. 
But uh, Charles Leclerc of the two Ferrari drivers clearly had more of the pace um, at the start of this one. Vettel got away quickly and he was starting to break away, but Charles Leclerc was lapping a few tenths a lap quicker, a few tenths a lap quicker. Um, he pulled himself closer and closer. Um, and on lap six, they switched positions. Leclerc drove out to the front of the field as Vettel held second ahead of the two Mercedes. And yeah, it it seemed clear as the race went on that the Mercedes were just not fast on the saw compound tire. Oh goodness, yes. Um that was that was one of their struggles for the last couple of years. If there if there is a weakness to the Mercedes machine, it's how well they don't handle the softer compound tires. You saw this at some street circuits like Monaco and Singapore, for instance, and that started to rear its ugly head in Bahrain as well. Uh, as Ferrari was putting in inroads on the slower medium tires, while Mercedes just couldn't catch up on the softs. Um, out of this, as Ferrari were starting to gap the field, we got some incredible midfield action and quite a bit of carnage as well, with Romain Grosjean and Lance Stroll coming to blows, eventually forcing uh, Grosjean into retirement after 13 laps. Uh, we had 16 laps, I should say. And we had a uh, mm, moment of indiscretion early on in the race because not only were Ferrari looking good, but McLaren were looking comparatively good. Maybe the best of the midfield. And Carlos Sainz got a great start up into fourth place. Yeah. And he was battling Mats Verstappen. Uh, and Sainz had actually gotten around Verstappen going into turn four, which had been of a tricky spot for some drivers. Um, Sainz had the outside line and was making the corner. Verstappen held the inside line and was determined to keep the position. You know, I like Matt's more than I think a lot of people do on the show. I think it's a good driver, but that wasn't on, man. No. Uh, Matt's Verstappen locks him up, clips the clumber, clambers over the inside apex of the uh, of the curb and just uses Carlos signs like he was his girlfriend and plows right in the side of him. And on Team Radio, uh, Verstappen would say, signs turned it on me. Oh, yeah. Verstappen, uh, to this point, says he didn't do anything wrong. I think that was, at the very best, it was completely careless. And at his worst, um, you know, it was... I, I, I don't want to say it was deliberate. It wasn't deliberate. I'd probably... I don't want to say... It, it feels like a rookie error, where it, it he just lacked the spatial awareness to realize that Signs was at least a half car length ahead of him by the time of corner entry. And, of course, Signs was going to turn to exactly where he was, because he literally parked his car on top of the apex. At some point, someone is going to turn in for the corner when someone makes one of those dives. You cannot just dive, hit someone, and then act like it's their fault because they didn't leave the space for you. Yeah, because I, I understand why the stewards didn't penalize Max Verstappen, but uh, I wouldn't say that Max Verstappen was completely at no fault. No, I entirely agree, and, um, you know, at least the Stewarts were consistent because uh, Antonio Giovinazzi uh, got away with punting Danny uh, Kvyat off on the opposite end of the track as well, so they were at least willing to let them play on and not hand out any yellow cards. Yeah. 
The only penalty Danny Kvyat was got for for speeding in the pit lane. (laughs) Uh, But that's neither here nor there. So by this point, with all the exciting mid-pack racing going on, Charles Leclerc was starting to run away from this race to the point where your friendly neighborhood host, Andre Harrison, said, this race was in the bag for Charles Leclerc. (laughs) Yes, he said it was over, and I'm like, Trey, we're not even halfway through the race yet. (laughs) So... I want to catch up, everybody, who may be a first-time Formula One viewer. Charles Leclerc is a second-year driver. Um, he debuted with what is now the Alfa Romeo team last year. And amidst fears that maybe he wouldn't get to shine at equipment that was expected to be last or second to last on the grid, he helped carry the Alfa Romeo Sauber team up to their best results in a long, long time and was by far the consensus rookie of the year in the Formula One. So, naturally... Ferrari called him up. He is a Ferrari junior driver, and he um, has been very impressive throughout his first two races. And, of course, there's an emotional attachment to as well. His godfather was the late Jules Bianchi, who was himself a Ferrari junior driver and was probably destined to take one of those seats alongside him were it not for his tragic accident in 2014 that led to his death in 2015. Charles Leclerc was looking set to win the 999th Formula One Grand Prix race, but the wheels were starting to fall off the Ferrari wagon, and the mission, well, it was looking like it was going to be in a bit of danger. 20 laps to go. By this point, Lewis Hamilton is starting to catch up on Sebastian Vettel, who is now, this is pretty much a battle for second place. Yeah. Um, Vettel has been holding the position, but Hamilton is starting to make inroads, and coming out of turn four, Hamilton sweeps around the outside to take the position away from Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel tries to hang with him, but just as they're coming out of the apex of the corner king, Vettel loses it, all on his own. Yeah, like, uh, Vettel, post-race Vettel said he was completely surprised that it happened, Uh, Us watching at home could see that one of his rear tires was on the line of paint, you know, delineating track limits. So it probably slipped on the paint because he Vettel was completely just dumbfounded in the in the post-race press conference because he couldn't find a reason to why he lost traction. And it spoiled a really good battle that was going on for several laps. Yeah, because the Uh, the lap before Lewis Hamilton tried the same exact move and couldn't get it to stick. It, um, I mean, it certainly isn't going to help the confidence of a driver who many feel is, you know, starting to be pushed out of his way of Ferrari, which, you know, that's, that's a bit of an exaggeration to say the least. Um, so we think Vettel, right. That's the worst of it done. He's gotten back on track. Surely this cannot get any worse. As he rejoins the track in traffic, um, he comes down to the back straightaway in the third DRS zone of the lap. And then King, well, somehow, it manages to get worse. Manages to get worse very quickly. His Because <laughs> when this Ferrari hits 88 miles per hour, <laughs> you're going to see a front wing collapse in on itself. Yeah, his front wing failed catastrophically. It ripped itself from the car and... You know, it hit the track surface, and the car just went right over it. King, what happened to cause this? At first, I wanted to believe, and it was reported that uh, 
essentially the front wing had either through build quality, wear, or damage beforehand had begun to fail, and he lost traction and spun around. And essentially, when he, you know, when the airflow reattached to the wing, it just decided to just fail completely. But that what wasn't that's not what happened. Uh, what had happened was when Vettel spun, uh, he slammed on the brakes, locked all his tires, completely flat spotted two of them. And the when he continued down the road, the vibrations got so bad that the front wing failed. Yeah, I was... The thing lifted off the ground, man. Yeah, like... Car- <laughs> it got on two wheels and did a wheelie. Carbon fiber is durable, y'all. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, in that context, with all that that had happened to him, you know, it's a, it's kind of a miracle he was able to recover and take 10 points and a fifth place finish out of that. Because that happened just as he was about to pit for his new set of softs anyway, but that really, really cost uh, Ferrari. But by that point, you know, Charles Leclerc was out to a massive lead. It looked like finally Charles Leclerc, in just a second race for Ferrari, was going to take the victory. And then on lap 46, he tells his engineers, there's something strange with the engine. (sighs) Yeah, what they thought originally was an issue with the MGU-H, the hybrid system in the engine, uh, later turned out to be a misfiring cylinder, as uh, as in the debrief. Either way, it costs Charles Leclerc tons upon tons of straight line speed on a power track. Yeah. Um, and by two laps time, Lewis Hamilton was already gaining several seconds per lap as Leclerc's car struggled to even hit 250 kilometers per hour in a straight. He had no chance to defend Lewis Hamilton. It's it, it's almost what happened with Daniel Ricciardo at Monaco in 2018. The big difference, of course, though, is that Daniel Ricciardo could hold off the likes of Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton behind him because Monaco is a track that is extremely difficult to pass on, and it's almost a one-line groove throughout the entirety of the track. You don't have to have power to hold the lead at Monaco. You have to have all the power to hold the lead at Bahrain, a track where overtaking just goes out like crazy. Yeah, because uh, we had mentioned this before, but this weekend they introduced a third DRS zone at Bahrain. Three RS. Three RS has arrived. Where are three RS? <laughs> oh, I mean. At first, when they announced 3RS, I was like, okay, this is going to be cool, uh, because, you know, Australia, things didn't work out entirely as planned with the new regulations, but that could have just been an Australia problem. Then Formula 2 happened, I'm like, okay, maybe it's just Formula 2, that, you know, they they run the same cars, and, like, of course, overtaking's going to be, like, really easy with a third with a third DRS zone, but, like, Formula 2, they were, like, racing each other everywhere, so it didn't really, it wasn't really that important to the F2 race, which we'll get to later. <laughs> uh, but in the Formula 1 race, things turned out differently, where it's, like, the bigger slots, the wider gaps, the zones are the same distance. Um, yeah, they were they were just doing blow by, they were just doing blow bys on on sitting cars. The the strange thing is, you know, it's 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 not ideal, but it's the best a Formula One can get right now. But you know, that's a that's a topic of discussion for another day. 
Yeah. You know, when when we saw Charles Leclerc lose time and get passed by Lewis Hamilton, that had to me the emptiest feeling that a lot of us watching a Formula One had seen in a long time. In terms of like the the saddest, like non fatal, obviously non career threatening, life threatening moments in Formula One recent weeks. I mean, can you think of anything in recent times that was this disheartening? Uh, I'd probably put it on level with uh, ground control. We're ejecting something out into space. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. As we discussed, uh, yeah, off air, we compared this kind of to the Apollo 13 mission. For Leclerc to have to go through 10 consecutive laps of constant systems checking to try and figure out what the hell was going on with it. Yeah, and... Oh, God, when kind of that realization that the victory is lost, but you have something to fight for. For uh, for reference here, Valtteri Botas was 27 seconds behind by the time Charles Leclerc was passed by Lewis Hamilton. Um, with four laps to go, Botas had gotten past Charles Leclerc. And you're thinking, with Mats Verstappen catching him, there's no way he even holds on to a podium finish for all of his efforts. All of a sudden, with four laps to go, both Renaults break down at the exact same time at around the same spot. <laughs> and let's just say, King, your banana bet is looking amazing right now. Oh, God. It kind of... This is a bet I knew I was going to win, but I didn't know it was going to be this bad. <laughs> So now we need to backtrack a little bit, because remember when we mentioned Renault had a pretty terrible qualifying session? Well, Nico Hulkenberg, by this point of the race, had gone up from 17th on the grid to a solid 6th place finish. He was by far the class of the rest of the field, the so-called Formula 1.5s. And although Daniel Ricciardo was trying a very bizarre uh, one-stop strategy where they would leave him out on the soft rubber as long as they possibly could, well beyond its performance envelope, he was still on for a top 10 finish and his first points with Renault. But then, on lap 54, as they were both about to complete another lap, both their cars just stopped at the same time. At the same time. Like, it was surreal. I've never seen anything like it. Like, the closest comparison I could probably make to that was uh, the Canadian Grand Prix, where both uh, break-by-wire systems failed on both, you know, Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. That's the closest comparison but, man. And this happened just as Carlos Sainz's car was being retired with a gearbox failure, so not exactly a great week for Renault Power, shall we say. Not. Or gearboxes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's it, it it's hard to, to come any, like, it's hard to take anything good out of this. The only thing, you know, especially if you're a fan of Charles Leclerc that came good of this is that, you know, with that, with the safety car that was brought out for the two-stop Renaults, it effectively neutralized the rest of the race and kept him on the final step of the podium in third. Um, Obviously, Leclerc, by a record margin, won driver of the day. Um, Everyone, even Lewis Hamilton, said that they felt sorry for Charles and they felt like he he really should have won that race and um 
Uh, I think a lot of us are in the same boat. I think today, Charles Leclerc, if people hadn't known how great a talent he was, even in defeat, they know now that he's a he's a really special driver. He's going to be someone that, good health willing, will carry the sport for the next decade or so. Yeah. And it's, it's I mean, I know it's it hurts that Charles Leclerc lost this race, and he lost it the way that he did. But, you know... I I have a feeling that the world's going to make it back up to him somehow, some way. Yeah, and like, kind of circling back to the the safety car, uh, it Renault the drivers and Cyril Biddable did a couple of interviews after the race where they don't know the exact cause of the problems. Uh, the team suspects that Ricardo suffered an MGUK issue. Uh, Hulkenberg, they're not too sure about, but they have a feeling that it, it's internal combustion related. They There's going to be a full in- investigation where they release what had happened, uh, but uh, Hulkenberg was quoted as saying, his failure came without any signs of problem before. His car just failed. Oh, goodness. And, you know, for my money's worth, um, it would be a debate between him and one other driver that we'll mention for the best non-Leclarian performance of the day. Um, Dre was all excited about Nico Hulkenberg coming back from 17th to finish 6th and take the form of the 1.5 win, but it just wasn't to be. And for Renault, obviously, that's a big blow that they're you know only 6 points in, 2 races in the season. Yeah, where I think telling quote from Hulkenberg, the engine guys at Vary were, you know, the, the power unit side of the team is based, will be devastated and down. There's no point in hammering on them. We need to work as a unit a unit and help each other. And that's entirely fair. Um, obviously, Renault has a long way to go. It seems a longer way than I'd hoped they'd have to go to close the gap to the top three. Um, but I would think, obviously, with their amount of resources, you know, they'll they'll bounce back. So in the end, Burn Baylander takes a comfortable victory in the Bahrain. Ah, oh, shit, they pulled him out just before the end of the race. God damn it. Lewis Hamilton wins and leads a Mercedes 1-2. Out of all of this, Ferrari, with a gift-wrapped 1-2 finish, decided to re-gift it to their friends in Stuttgart. Or Brackley. <laughs> Wherever you feel like mailing it. They'll, they'll, they'll get the letter. You know... When even our server's resident Lewis Hamilton fans are feeling awful for Charles and feeling like that wasn't a win that they felt the most proud of, that tells you a lot about how this race maybe should have gone. Yeah, Leclerc got, you know, 50% of the vote in in the driver of the day vote. Uh, Autosport gave him a 10 out of 10 in the driver ratings. The, the fan vote in the driver rating so far is at a 9.9. I've never seen it that high. But, like, it's insane. Yeah, as, um, as Formula One writer Lawrence Barreto points out in his winners and losers column, you know, Leclerc will have been hurting last night, having a first victory cruelly taken away through no fault of his own. But when the dust settles, he can reflect on a weekend that supported the hype that had surrounded him since his debut with Sauber last year. And I'll go back even further than that. Remember two years ago, um, that sprint race in Bahrain where he yep. chewed through the field on a two-stop strategy? 
Oh, you remember yes. when he won that title as a rookie? GP3 series as a rookie? He was uh, rookie of the year. The f- <laughs> rookie yeah. of the year in, in European Formula 3 the year before that. Right. Came up through carding with Max Verstappen, and Max Verstappen so far in his career has yet to score a pole position that Charles Leclerc did in his second race with the team. And also, he became the 50th man to lead a race in a Ferrari and proved that it's a matter of when and how many, rather than if, he will win races. And of course, for Mercedes, you kind of feel like, wow, we've salvaged 43 points (laughs) out of a weekend where we were clearly the second best team on the grid. So if they end up taking another championship, they'll have this weekend to look back on as a major, major boost to their title hopes. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's crazy to think that we were. Pro- we were heading into this weekend not even thinking that Ferrari would be contenders. A lot of people were like, oh, uh, Botas 2.0, which uh, hasn't gone away. Botas is still very, very competitive out there. We'll start by breaking down the championship points. He's still one point ahead by virtue of his <laughs> fastest lap in Melbourne. Yes. So even though, um, see, so before this, of course, he and Hamilton would be tied on points because of that fastest lap point, and because neither Mercedes driver got it, um, Valtteri Bottas still has a one point lead in the standings. Ooh. Actually, ooh, yeah, they, they would, they'd be dead level because yeah, well, they forty three and forty three, but now it's forty four thirty three. Bottas no, no. over Hamilton, even on even on the. Traditional tiebreakers, they'd be even because they both have one win apiece. Uh, they would both have what two second places apiece. Yeah, a win and a second apiece. <laughs> I, I think the only tiebreaker that would go in Hamilton's favor would just be his one pole position. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um. So in the end, Lewis Hamilton takes the victory. Valtteri Bottas is second, and Charles Leclerc, the hero of the race, gracious in defeat, as always, finishing in third position, driver of the day, pole winner, and the 74th Grand Prix win, of course, for Lewis Hamilton, putting him one closer to Michael Schumacher at 91. Max Verstappen um, maybe feels like he maybe could have felt like he should have had the podium, and some people felt like he shouldn't have the way he was driving early in the race, but fourth place isn't a bad finish, and it's certainly not bad for his title hopes. And Sebastian Vettel, as we mentioned, uh, 29 seconds back of Verstappen, but still salvaging a fifth-place finish and 10 valuable championship points. We get to the start of the midfield. It's looking so weird. Lando Norris. Take a bow, young man. Yeah, one thing we didn't mention earlier on, both McLarens got to Q3. They were looking good. It... If not for signs getting driven into, I feel like both their cars would have been in the top six. But Lando drove spectacularly, was involved in great, great midfield fights, held off experienced competitors like Kimi Raikkonen, who was bearing down on him for that sixth place finish. And it goes without saying that, you know, this is a big result for a driver in just his second Grand Prix weekend. He's, goodness, he's not, he's not, but 19 years old. And he's really taking charge and becoming the alpha man at McLaren, just just like they had hoped and anticipated. And, you know, what's also encouraging as well, and I know it's early signs because 
we've been here before <laughs> with McLaren getting a hot start to the season, then falling off. But it genuinely looks like the McLaren chassis with the Renault power unit is good. Yeah, it's good. Real good. It looks solid. It actually does look like the famous tagline, well, maybe not the best chassis of the grid, but certainly one of the best in the midfield. Yeah, certainly one of the best in the midfield. Though it does leave your mind wandering, what if they had stuck with Honda? Yeah, that's that's always the thing. Again, I've said it before. Um, I, I don't think that McLaren will regret breaking away from, from Honda, but I think they will certainly regret having let their relationship got as bad as it did. The one person whose relationship with McLaren has not, you know, gone away, one Fernando Alonso was there in Bahrain this weekend. I saw that, and I also saw that the Ferrari mechanics uh, were hanging out with Fernando Alonso, <laughs> which led many people to believe, ah, uh, yes, Fernando's cursed the team. <laughs> which, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if Fernando Alonso has a magic button that he can press to just uh, make a Ferrari engine cylinder just displace itself <laughs> on its own. I mean, that would be kind of awesome and terrifying, though. Yeah, too much power. Too much power. Everybody thinks he has that in McLaren anyway. <laughs> As we're running down the rest of the midfield, Kimi Raikkonen just putting in another solid workmanlike day at the Alpha, finishing 7th. And Pierre Gasly with his first points in Red Bull in 8th. But it's 8th mm-hmm. where he was 4th last year in a Toro Rosso. He missed out on Q3. And people are starting to worry about if Pierre Gasly can match up to Mats Verstappen. Now, of course, Pierre did say after qualifying that he's having a hard time getting the car to drive the way that he wants to. It's a temperamental car. Verstappen seems to have gotten around it where Pierre has not. And Adrian Newey has a history of drive of building cars that are ruthlessly quick and efficient. But take, for instance, the 2005 McLaren. Juan Pablo Montoya once famously said, unbelievably quick, but it was a bastard to drive. The yeah. same car that Kimi Raikkonen nearly took to a championship. King, are you worried about Pierre Gasly? Yeah, like Two I've already he- heard some early rumors that it might be an issue with this car, but I'm not willing to hedge my bets on that yet. Most of the driver interviews have said uh, if they set up the car to be stable enough for Pierre, he's going to be well off the pace. If they set him up to be quick, the car is dangerously unstable for him. Uh, I'm not willing to give up on Pierre just yet. I I think, you know, he's way too good a driver. Formula 2 champion. Did some miracles with Toro Rosso last year. I think he's going to find it, but it's going to take some time. Um, And I hope that they can remain patient enough. But on the other hand, Red Bull's still lucking their way into some great prospects. Take a bow, Alexander Albon, London, you had your chance to claim him. <laughs> but the first tie driver since Prince Bira himself coming away with a ninth place finish for his first ever championship points. So we got two of the three rookies. Two of the three rookies coming up from Formula 2 this year in the points. Uh, Well, George Russell, at least you outplaced your teammate by a lap. Yeah, I mean, even, you know... Points aside, it's always a good look for any Toro Rosso driver to spend most of your race battling with the full A Red Bull car. I'm telling you, that that Honda engine is good, and, you know, I think Red Bull have found their home match in a car that's kind of like it. (laughs) 
And Sergio Perez uh, coming home in 10th, just holding off Antonio Giovinazzi for the final points paying position by less than a second. Daniel Kvyat, uh, first car off the lead lap in 12th. Kevin Magnuson in 13th. Lance Stroll in 14th. George Russell in 15th. Robert Kubica, the last classified finisher in 16th. Classified non-finishers Nico Hulkenberg and Daniel Ricciardo after 53 laps with their own respective mechanical failures, as was Carlos Sainz retired after 53 laps, not classified after 16 laps. Romain Grosjean, the fastest lap, went to Charles Leclerc, so he gets the bonus point. As we go into the championship standings after two rounds... So as we mentioned, Valtteri Bottas with a one-point lead over Lewis Hamilton going into the 1,000th Formula 1 Grand Prix at Shanghai, China. Mats Verstappen with a third and fourth place is third in the championship on 27 points, one point ahead of Charles Leclerc, whose third-place finish and pole position boost him to 26 points. Sebastian Vettel on 22 points, Kimi Raikkonen on 10 leading the proverbial Formula 1.5 championship. Lando Norris's sixth place finish him, boosting him all the way to seventh. He's ahead on countback of Kevin Magnussen, also at eight points. Nico Hulkenberg on six points. Pierre Gasly on four points. Lance Stroll on two. Alex Albon on two. Daniel Kvyat and Sergio Perez on one apiece. And in the championship standings... Ah, the old familiar tale. Two Mercedes 1-2 finishes means they have 87 points to Ferrari's 48 in second. Red Bull Honda in third on 31. Alfa Romeo in fourth place <laughs> with 10 points. And another close midfield battle brewing. McLaren have eight. Haas have eight. Renault have six. Toro Rosso have three. Same as Racing Point. And of course, as we sadly feared and expected, Mercedes with zero points. Two races in the season. One encouraging sign, though, I think they look better in qualifying. Uh, despite Robert Kubica driving with a damaged floor that can't get fits for a couple of rounds. And hey, at least they brought the car on both races because if nothing else, that Mercedes power unit sure as hell is reliable. Yep. Looks like the Mercedes power plant is effectively bulletproof. Did I just confuse Williams and Mercedes again? Uh, I think you said Williams Mercedes, but you said it quickly enough that Williams is hard to hear. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I bet I'm guessing Williams also wishes it was 2014 and 15. And I miss those times. Man. Uh, Rem- remember when everyone thought 2014 15 was the basement? <laughs> Man. I'll remember when we thought 2011 and 13 was the basement for Williams. <laughs> they just keep finding new ways to make a new sub-basement. Oh, we've already been sad enough over Charles and Claire. Let's stop making it sadder. Uh, the Chinese Grand Prix is on April 14th at Shanghai International Circuit. Yes, the 1,000th FIA Formula One World Championship Grand Prix. Uh, it should be a fun time. We're going to take a short break uh, to go cover the rest of most of our car-related stuff that is not Formula 1 and Formula 2. Alright, it's going to be a quick news section. Again, we've, uh, we're not including MotoGP as part of this. Uh, because Dre is not here and we feel like we wouldn't do the Mark Marquez 
beat him down the proper justice that yep. he deserved. But there was still uh, other things that happened, like the the Corsica Rally, the famous Tour de Course, if you will. And we have a third different winner, and Hyundai on the top step for the first time in Thierry Neuville. Uh, of course, it looked like Oitanic and Elfin Evans were going to win at separate points. Uh, it didn't exactly materialize for them, shall we say. Sebastian Auger finished in second. Elf Evans was able to consolidate third place. Back-to-back podiums for the Welshman. Yeah, back-to-back podiums for the Welshman. Though, like, there were a couple incidents on course, including one, uh, one notable one, which has kind of been one of the Monday morning rally stories, where he was slowed by Chris Meek being in front of him, and now the World Rally Championship, they're urging the World Rally Championship to introduce a push-to-pass system. It's not what you think it is, but effectively putting, like, you know, uh, say, like, a police siren or, like, some, like, some indicator that a car is approaching you from behind. Oh, and uh, Sapophis, if you've heard this before, Chris Meek has pace to win the rally, but gets involved in a wreck and <laughs> ends up finishing ninth. But he did win the power stage and the five bonus points. Yes. It's not all bad. Um, so after after four rounds, it's Neuville on 82, Sebastian Auger on 80, Oitanic at 77. That's going to be another good championship fight. Alvin Evans best the rest at 43, and Chris Meek adding 42 points. Um, King... The W Series. Oh, our conflicted feelings on the W Series. But it looks like they're coming closer to a uh, to getting things off the ground. It certainly helps when you've got the driver lineup in place. Yeah, got the driver lineups in place. Uh, who they got their eighteen? Uh, yeah, eighteen full time drivers with four reserves. Uh, though it seemed like I don't know. Uh, I'll. I've been hearing a lot of different differing stories because uh, when the series announced they were selecting drivers, they just said 20. They didn't they didn't say who was going to do what. So a lot of people are saying, oh, the W Series doesn't have the money to have 20 race seats. No, they before this weekend, they announced that there were going to be 18 race seats plus two reserves. They expanded it out to four reserves. Excellent. Um, so I have the list of qualified drivers. Um, we start with, in alphabetical order, one of our so-called big four, Jamie Chadwick, a member of Fernando Alonso's eSports team. <laughs> Which is kind of weird in 2019 to think Fernando Alonso has an eSports team that hires also, professional drivers. Also, Chatters has got a uh, Formula 3 Asia Series drive for the start of their season, does she not? Yes, she does. That's going to be awesome. Running down the rest of the list, America's Sabre Cook, Spain's Marta Garcia, the former Renault Sport Academy prospect, from Canada, Megan Gilkes, from Great Britain, Esme Hockey and Jessica Hawkins, back to America with Shea Holbrook, from Finland, Emma Kimmelainen, from Japan, another one of the prospective Big Four in Miki Koyama, from Great Britain, Sarah Moore. From South Africa, Tasman Pepper. From Italy, Vicky Peria. From Great Britain, another one of your title contenders, potentially, and Alice Powell. From Poland, Gosia Rost. From, from 
From Belgium, Naomi Schiff. From Netherlands, another one of your prospective big four in Bietzka Visser. Let's see here. From Liechtenstein, Fabian Wolwend. And from Australia, Caitlin Wood. The reserves are Sarah Volvi, Vivian Castelli, Stefan Kotz, and Francesca Linossi. So some of the names on this list, very, very exciting. Yes, and some of these names are drivers who, maybe if not for the WCs, will still be out of seats. Um, and of course, we can't, we cannot forget as well that um, one of the drivers is not on this grid because they would pursue other opportunities to race against our male counterparts. Sophia Flourish has a drive with uh, Van Amersfoort in the Formula regional series yes because as a reminder the w series will be the only formula 3 series on the dtm support card r.i.p european formula master you were not with us long but you were you were you were okay you were okay you had a very in, you had a very engaging twitter poll about your best <laughs> champion uh, i guess we should catch up on nascar now they announced a new schedule do, do we feel okay about this new schedule for 2020 it's, mm, it, it feels like, it feels like I, I want to believe that it's step one to a better schedule, because it doesn't feel like a better schedule. So let's start with uh, the big talking points. Um, the finale will not be at Homestead, Miami. It's going to go to another city with an NFL team that hasn't seen a championship in God knows how long in Phoenix at ISM Raceway. We're also opening the playoffs at Darlington with the Southern 500. The regular season will close with the Firecracker 400 at Daytona, and that's because the 4th of July race is now the Brickyard 400 at Indianapolis. I feel like that's probably one of the least popular changes on the schedule. Um, Bristol, their night race has moved into the playoffs to become a playoff cutoff round. Uh, Martinsville has gone under the lights officially on Mother's Day weekend. And Pocono is going to have a doubleheader of two 400-mile races, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. Uh, like, the doubleheader at Pocono sounds great in theory, but it really feels like uh, they weren't, you know, drawing enough people to have, you know, two separate race days at Pocono, and the workaround that everyone could agree to is, okay, we'll have both our races on one weekend instead of consolidating it down to one race, and Pocono, you get money for hosting two races. I am just looking over things here. We're going from Daytona straight to Las Vegas after the 500. Which, you know, boy, that West... Co you know when, when the West Coast swing immediately after the Daytona 500 was a logistical nightmare, especially <laughs> if the 500 got weather delayed? Let's do that again. Let's do that again. Homestead got moved up to March, and we have two weeks off in between the New Hampshire race and the Michigan summer race. So NASCAR kind of taking its own summer breaks. Yeah. For 2020. For 2020, because that stretch of the season will be broadcast on the networks of NBC, your host of the Games of the 2020 Summer Olympiad in Tokyo. Ah, yes. And also, Danny Hamlin won his second race, and Kyle Busch has 202 victories. And of course, number 202 came in the truck series. 
Ooh, and also, I think one of the good changes from this, the first round of the playoffs will end at the new fall race at Bristol. They moved the, the night yes, race. Yes, imagine it, yes. Yeah, the night race is now the first round playoff, uh, the, the first round cutoff race. That'll be, uh, that'll be pretty spicy, to say the least. But nothing's as spicy as Formula 2. Bruno <laughs> Michel's unapologetically rowdy sons and one daughter are here. Folks, let's go back to Bahrain and check out NXT TakeOver Secure. Wait, we did that gimmick last season. NXT- Bye, we'll do it again anyway. NXT raise hell and praise the Claire. Ah, so Formula 2 is back. And it was back with a bang in Bahrain. We'll start with the feature race, which I managed to catch half up. I woke up just after um, noted uh, bucket of chicken helmet haver, Sean Galeal, uh lost uh, control and had his DRS <laughs> stuck open and spun out of the race. But lineup heading into the feature race had an interesting name on pole Lucas Yato for the uh, Uni Versuaski team formerly known as Russian Time they were on pole <laughs> they did not get such a good start though and Nicholas Latifi surged out to an early lead in the race and it looked like it would be one of the favorites to win but he had a bit of a slow tire stop did the uh, the third year driver for dams uh, didn't look like it affected him that much, though, because he was able to carve his way through the field and back into the lead of the race to open the season with 25 points and a victory. His first feature race victory in his third full season for Nicholas Latifi. Man, it is... The the feature race, it... It's something that you just have to go and watch because if we if we broke down like event by event what happened we'd be here for an extra hour and a half. It's like you might as well just watch the race. It's faster. Yeah, and it's also very much worth your time. Again, Formula Two is uh, it's always always good fun. Um, we had uh, we had Sergio set a camera on the podium, a double dams podium. Yes, a double dams podium with. Luca Giotto in second place between the two of them. Again, we saw some incredible fights for position. Um, Should we start with the sprint race? Because as good as the feature race was for all-out balls-to-wall entertainment, the sprint race gave us probably our best non-Leclarian drive of the weekend. Well, to, Although, to, to prep ourselves for the sprint race, we have to run down a little bit more of the results for the feature race. Because fourth, we had Antoine Hubert, who uh, started 11th. Then we had yeah. Louis Delatraz, then Nick DeVries, then Jack Aiken, and then on reverse grid pole, who started 10th, Mick Schumacher. Big something. <laughs> Big match, Mick. We'll go with that. <laughs> right, because the other because the other nickname has been trademarked by the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> um and it was it was very strange, a little expected, maybe a little disappointing, but um Schumacher got most of the headlines as another person won, and yeah. he didn't. Yeah, he Schumacher got headlines for having a fairly 
I would say he got pole position. He got reverse grid pole position. <laughs> he for having a fairly average race where he started tenth, spent most of the race in ninth, then on the final lap had a very good overtake for eighth, which got him reverse grid pole. Which again, we're we're you know giving attention for someone who finished eighth. I mean that's that's always to be expected. On the other hand, I'm surprised it didn't run with the alternate headline: Mick Schumacher's reputation in tatters after only finishing eighth on Formula Two debut. <laughs> How will he ever recover? Oh my God! It's like I know we live in a world of extremes, but it's like Mick had a decent race. I know that won't that that won't sell. That won't get you the clicks, but. That's what happened. Mick had, did fine. He He's a, doing he better at this race. point than he was at this point in Formula 3 last year. And look how that finished. Just ask Dan Tictum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we get, we get to the sprint race. So, for those of you who have never watched Formula 2, there's two races. And after the feature race, which is about 60% of a Grand Prix distance, they flip the top eight finishers for the sprint race, which is 40% of a distance. And typically, this is about long enough to where you don't have to change tires to finish the race. But if you're feeling really gutsy about it, maybe you could. And maybe with that tire change, you could run so fast... And you could come back from 14th place in less than 10 laps and win the race. King, we saw maybe maybe an even better tribute to Charles Leclerc's sprint race victory in 2017. The same track, under almost identical circumstances. Yeah, and like the crazy thing is that a lot of things about pitch strategy. Once, uh, a lot of pitch strategy is based on previous events. What happened before at this track? With Charles Leclerc, it was unprecedented. 2019, it was foreseen, and a lot of people tried the strategy, and most of the field couldn't get it to work. Yeah, it was hot out, the tires were falling off, and there was an opportunity for some drivers. Um, Giotto was not the only driver to go with this strategy, but by far he was the one that made it work the best. Uh, He pitted on lap 13, and once he uh, and once he got on the new set of tires, um, there was just no way anybody could chase him. Yeah, he was he was unstoppable. It was a joy to watch when because everyone the first people that pitted early were like, okay, maybe they can make it work, but we weren't feeling that confident. Giotto was in the lead. He he had you know a decent lead of a few seconds when he came in the pit. We knew he was going to be quick on fresh tires, but man, he made he made most of the cars in front of him look pedestrian. Within three laps of coming out of the pits, he was uh, back in the points, so he was inside the uh, the top eight, which gets the points for the sprint race. Yes, um, as said, a camera was getting caught in traffic. Uh, it took him just another lap, and he was on the podium, and you saw guys like Mick Schumacher, the aforementioned Mick Schumacher, just not even bother trying to defend the position because they know this is a battle that they cannot win. Now, one of the things that makes this more impressive than Charles Leclerc's win, uh, Carlin had a 1-2. Well, hmm. no, no, no. It wasn't... It's- <laughs> Oh, God. Was it Carlin who had the one-two? It was Dams who had the one-two. Dams had the one-two. Dams had the one-two. 
they could have just ran in formation and they would have stood a chance. But no, their drivers raced each other hard, giving Luca Chiato the chance to catch them at an even quicker pace. He had a four seconds per lap advantage by the time he got past both Nicholas Latifi at turn one on lap 20 and Sergio Sete Camera at turn six. And Luca Giotto was just gone. Gone. He took the checkered flag by 5.4 seconds. Same people on the podium, just in a different order now. Sete Camera and Latifi, second and third in that order. And Guan Yu Zhao saving just enough rubber to make a late charge to finish in fourth ahead of Louis Delatraz, Mick Schumacher, Nick DeVries, and Jordan King on to the final point on his return to the championship in P8. Yep, and just as a little tidbit, here are the people who pitted in the sprint race. Lap 8, Juan Manuel Correa. Lap 9, Sean Galeal. Uh, Lap 10, Nabu Mashusta, uh, lap 11, Jordan King, lap 12, our race winner, Luca Giotto, and, and Nick DeVries, and Nick DeVries, uh, lap 13, Nikita Mizepin, lap 14, Antoine Hubert, lap 16, Dorian Bacalacci, and lap 21, Giuliano Alessi who ended up getting disqualified for his troubles after they put a left-side tire on the right side. (laughs) Don't do that! Don't do that! Don't do that, kids. (laughs) I mean, seriously, now that Formula 1 TV Pro has the actual full race uploads now instead of just the highlights, if you have Formula 1 TV, you kind of have no excuse to watch it back this year, especially if you can't get up at about 6 or 7 on a weekend. (laughs) To watch these races but i mean it's it's looking like another i mean i heard some dumb hot takes floating around how this is a poor formula two crap it's gonna be good racing nonetheless yeah it's it's very early in the season one of the things i that we didn't mention about qualifying is that pretty much all the rookies finished at the second half of the grid showing how much experience you do need and that's going to build up as the year goes along so we're going to get a lot more a lot more wheel to wheel action later on in the year once the rookies get a grip get to grips with the cars and there was another rookie we wanted to talk about because for the first time since 1991 a woman was on the primary feeder series uh to formula 1 Tatiana Calderon may have quote-unquote only finished 13th in the feature race and 15th in the sprint, but I think she she did very well, very well under the circumstances. Yeah, First very time well. in a Formula 2 car in anger. Yeah, she she was not the slowest car out there, like she wasn't the quickest car out there. Uh, you clearly tell her teammate is the reigning GP3 champion. Antoine Hubert was extremely impressive out there, but uh, Calderon held her own, kind of... Had a decent outing for a rookie, just like Mick Schumacher, where it's like it's it's nothing to, you know, highly praise, but, you know, not a bad start. She finished better in both of her races than both the Sauber Cherus cars. <laughs> yeah, she, both she of finished, She finished better than the Campos of Dorian Bocalacci in both races. And, of course, finished better than Mahavir Ragunathan in that being Broder Sport. Oh, boy. What a what a tough what a tough weekend that poor man had. Man, it, it, it's hard out there for the 2017 Bosch GP champion. Oh man, not even a unified champion of Formula Libre. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so just a quick rundown of the top 11 in the standings. Of course, we had 11 drivers score points. Luca Giotto with second feature race pull and sprint race victory, 37 points ahead of Nicholas Latifi on 35, Sergio Sete Camera do Brazil do 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 on 27, Louis Delatraz at 16, Antoine Hirbert at 12, tied with Nick DeVries also at 12, Guan Yu Zhao at 11 points, Mick Schumacher, uh, 8 points in 8th place, Jack Aitken, on ninth at six points, Nobuhara Matsushita with two points in tenth, and Jordan King, uh, future Indianapolis 500 competitor in eleventh with a single point, and they will rejoin and f- at Baku City Circuit oh. in a month's time. <laughs> Man, <laughs> oh god, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> oh my god, I'm here for all of this. It's like a, it's like if you electrified hell in a cell. <laughs> Which I'm sure we'll get to that at some point during the 24 hours of WrestleMania from MetLife Stadium. <laughs> I hope it doesn't rain. Oh, goodness, wouldn't that be something? Then it would take 36 hours. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we've we've shared sorrow. We've we've gotten through the pain and. Hopefully, by the time Dre comes back next week and we haven't burned down the entire sin bin, um, we'll, of course, catch up with... we got a pretty stacked weekend coming up this weekend. IndyCar, Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham, Alabama. What else we got? What else we got, King? Oh, this, uh, I don't cause I th- think we have anything else. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, we Yeah, we can catch up with, uh, with MotoGP in Argentina. We've got... Uh, so... Those two look like we're going to be going to be the big focuses of episode 186. Yes, the big focus of 186. Uh, like the like, there's I could briefly mention a lot of things that have been circling the rumor mill. Uh, they had their meeting last week for the 2021 Formula One regulations. Apparently, allegedly, there are going to be a raft of other standardized parts, including crash structures, uh, like a lot of, like mainly internal components. Uh, nothing was made official. The the only people who have posted anything about this are boys at Automotor und Sport in Germany. So I'd say take it with a grain of salt. Wait till more information comes out. Yeah, let's see what else we got. NASCAR at Bristol, World Superbikes at Aragon. Can Bautista make it nine for nine or six out of six, depending on what your definition of a race is? British touring cars at Brands Hatch. Hi, Johnson. And, of course, we'll have all of that on episode 186. Thank you so much for for tuning in, listening. Uh, Thank you to everybody who's been listening live as this went on. Black and Mild, uh, Toki is here, Brian Glennon's here, uh, Vakash is here, and Cam is here. Brian's going to Bristol this weekend, you (laughs) lucky bastard. (laughs) Oh, man, I remember when you had a 20-year wait list to get tickets. (sighs) Recessions are hard, man. Yeah, I mean, um, friend of the show, Krista Hardy, who's, they, there's been NASCAR rumors going around that uh, apparently NASCAR's having trouble se- selling uh, tickets in the corners. They might do uh, WWE style of tarping off the corners. Y'all realize that this place was selling out and that they brought in a football game between two mediocre college teams and it packed the house? Yeah. Like, come on, it's, Bris- two, it's Bristol. They got, they got two day tickets for $30. Come on. 
No, we've been sad enough. We talked enough about Charles Leclerc. Sad enough. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, places you can find us one more time. We are on motorsport101.com, your hub for all things Motorsport 101 podcast written material, videos such as the ones you can find on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101. We are on Facebook, Motorsport 101, Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you wish to follow us, we are at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King with two Ks, and at RJ O'Connell with two Ns and two Ls. Andre will be back for episode 186. We thank you all very much for listening in to this episode of Motorsport 101. For Andre Harrison, I'm Ryan King. I'm an RJ O'Connell. Thank you so much for listening. Later, y'all. Bye.